Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday, right? <laughs> this is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program.
בכל יום התעורר ומרגיש את רוח השכינה. מתבונן למרומים ומפאר את פלא הבריאה, האל הגדול, המיוחד, שמחזיר בי נשמתי כל יום בחמלה. נתת את הכל בראת את נשמתי מודה לך כל יום ומביט אל המרום אתה גדול, אדיר ומפואר, אבא יקר כל יום מחנך ילדיי להשכיל בתורתך כי רק אתה תרפא מכאובי אין עוד מלבדך האל הגדול המיוחד שמחזיר בי נשמתי כל יום בחמלה Oh uh-huh. 
watch each other thrive. We share and build with patience, kindness. In every heart you reach, the lesson that you teach. Don't judge a book, but look inside it. No more shadows as you step out proud and your light breaks out. It's bright and shining. And it wouldn't be the same without you here for you show the world. Sadiqim, it's all the chassidim, and all the zikna shayahiris. 
Wednesday morning broadcast. A gentleman is going to be joining us in the seven o'clock hour, and I could not be, uh, I could not be more enthusiastic about speaking with him on the air. Although, frankly, some of it's going to be a little bit painful because he and uh, so many people who are in Efrat have been going through a um, a very difficult period of time. That's a that's an understatement. Anyway, Shlomo Katz, Vieda, he'll join us coming up 7 o'clock hour here at JM in the AM. 
and uh, we'll talk about uh, living in Israel in 2023. I, I got a taste of it. I got 1% of it when I was there. Uh, realized the difference when um, some of our best, brightest, greatest, most amazing people are taken, uh, are taken from us by the enemy. Um, I got a slight taste of it, of what it's like being there in the Holy Land when all these things are happening. Um, and we'll be able to address that and many other issues coming up in the 7 o'clock hour here at JM and AM. Mordechai ben David before that with Vani. You heard Osa Shalom done by Yaakov Chesed. Yaniv ben Mashiach with HaKadosh. Alat Tzadikim from the late great Michal Schnitzler. Yoni Z's We Belong, Altira done by the Mazamrim Choir, Eitan Katz with the Nigo and Waltz with Zusha, Abba Shali done by Dudi Derry, you heard Yishai Ribos, Ani Shayach La'am, and of course, Regesh Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. Welcome to a Wednesday on this April the 19th, day number 28 in the month of Nisan, the year is 5783, Tavshin Pei Today is day number 13 in the counting of the Omer, one week and six days. Today is 13. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Again, it is the 13th day in the counting of the Omer. If you missed last night, make sure to count today. Um, plenty happening here on a on a Wednesday, including the Yassi Zweig uh, Wednesday Live Lunch starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And, of course, uh, plenty more, as you would suspect, and I thank you all for tuning in. Uh, yesterday was quite a Yom HaShoah commemoration. Um, had a couple of very poignant interviews, especially dealing with uh, events that are happening now, uh, not just events of years ago, but events that are happening now to commemorate those of years ago. If you missed our Yom HaShoah commemoration, our Yom HaShoah special, check out the archive, NahumSiegel.com, and, of course, on the NSN app. And um, and um, call a kavod to those synagogues, schools, and organizations that actually spent some time remembering that it's Yom HaShoah. In Israel, as I said yesterday, you're enveloped by the theme of the day between the siren, the ceremonies, the lack of entertainment, venues that are open, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. You're enveloped by the theme and by the spirit of the day. Uh, it's something that you have to really work on in the diaspora to capture and be part of and to make part of you. Uh, so those who did that yesterday, kolakavod. More coming up. It's a Wednesday morning edition. We say good morning from uh, JM and the AM NSN headquarters here in New Jersey. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. More coming up at JM and the AM. <laughs> Kovaltehat, 
אנחנו עם סגולה, אנחנו לא לבד. כשצרפאות עלינו, כולנו כאחד. לא נפחד עם ישראל, עד אם נעשה רצונו, הוא יעשה רצוננו. הוא אבינו, הוא מלכנו, מושיענו. נישא עיניים ונתפלל, דברו דבר ולא יקום. קימנו כאל, השם יילחם לכם, ואתם תחרישון. השם יילחם לכם, ואתם תחרישון. השם יילחם לכם, ואתם Thank <laughs> you. 
J.M. and the A.M. Derech Achim. Gam Ki Eilech here at J.M. and the A.M. Uri Davidi at Birchas Ha'av. You heard Modim done by Shimi Engel. Avremo with uh, Hashem Yilachem. Avram Fried, of course. Shlomo Katz going to be joining us in the 7 o'clock hour uh, right after morning Chizuk. He'll be giving us some Chizuk, no doubt. It's been quite a week, quite a couple of weeks for the Jewish world, for the city of Efrat. For the D family, and um, we'll have Shlomo Katz address what it's like going through these uh, trials and tribulations. He's been through this before with friends and neighbors, and we'll discuss all of that with him coming up right here at JM in the AM. So that happens uh, just after 7.30 this morning. Make sure to be tuned in. Spread the word. A lot of Shlomo Katz fans out there in our audience Spread the word. Uh, JM the AM on this day 13 in the counting of the Omer. Day number 13. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. One week and six days. Day number 13. Again, if you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at AlchemSegal.com and the AlchemSegal Network. And of course, on the beloved NSN app. Golly, it's on the background to our news from Israel coming up next week. Yom Hazikaron, Israel Memorial Day is on Tuesday. Wednesday is Yom Atzmut, Israel Independence Day. Keep that in mind as we get set for um, a couple of very important days next week here at JM in the AM. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Wednesday follows next. We say Boker Toe from JM and the AM. Galitzal, Mirushalayim, Asha Ashtayim. Shalom Rav, Baulpan, Yehonatan Gril, Im Mashakore Achshav. Chamisha Sar, Bene Adam, Netzru, Beashdod, Vamerkaz, Bachashad, Lesachar, Benashim. מדווח כתבנו בדרום רמי שני. החשודים שנעצרו גברים ונשים בשנות ה-20 וה-30 לחייהם מאזור המרכז ומאזור הדרום נהגו להכין כרטיס לכל אישה שאותה העסיקו בעבודת זנות. בכרטיס היו תמונות ופרטים על יכולותיה בתחום הענקת שירות הימין. הם העבירו אותן בין הלקוחות באמצעות שירות הסעות שגם אותה הפעילה הכנופיה. הם יובאו במהלך היום לדיון בהערכת מעצרם בבית משפט השלום בלחיש. המחלוקת סביב השתתפות פוליטיקאים בטקסי יום הזיכרון לחללי מערכות ישראל. יושב ראש יד לבנים, אלי בן שם, זעק אצל אמיר איבגי, הטירוף הזה לא היה פה מעולם. 
אם יהיה בלאגן ביום הזיכרון, אפשר לסגור את המדינה. יש לי סיוטים בלילות ממה שהולך להיות פה. אני רוצה לכתוב מכתב לראש הממשלה, שיתעלו כולם, הכל הפוליטיקאים, שר הביטחון. בני גנץ, יאיר לפיד, שיעשו מסיבת עיתונאים, יגידו רבותיי, יום הזיכרון זה קודש הקודשים של מדינת ישראל. אם יהיה בלאגן ביום הזיכרון אפשר לסגור את המדינה. הטירוף הזה לא היה מעולם. השרה מירי רגב, הממונה על טקס המשואות, כינסה לפני זמן קצר מסיבת עיתונאים. ברקע הדיווחים על מחאה מתוכננת בטקס, וכוונה לשדר את ההקלטה מהחזרות במקרה של מחאה, תקפה רגב, מי שבא לפגוע לא יהיה. מדבריה הביאה כתבת התרבות מאיה יהלום, וראש האופוזיציה, חבר הכנסת יאיר לפיד, הגיב לדבריה של רגב וכתב בחשבון הטוויטר הכיסא שלי בטקס המשואות יישאר ריק כי לא השארתם לי ברירה. אני אוהב את המדינה אהבת נפש, אבל בשלושה חודשים קרעתם את החברה הישראלית, ושום מופע זיקוקים מזויף לא יכסה על זה, כך לפיד. נדב גלאון, ממובילי המחאה נגד החקיקה המשפטית, אמר ליעל דן, אין לנו כוונה לשבש את הטקס. המחאה לא מתכוונת לשבש את הטקס מבפנים, יכול להיות שאדם עצמאי כזה או אחר יעשה מעשה, אין לי מושג. המחאה מתכוונת לחגוג 75 למדינה בקפלן במתחם הדמוקרטיה. כלי טיס בלתי מאויש של צה"ל נפל הלילה בשטח סוריה. הכלי, מסוג רוכב שמיים, נפל בעקבות תקלה טכנית. מדובר צה"ל נמסר כי אין חשש לדלף מידע וכי האירוע מתוחקר. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו הצבאי דורון קדוש. ומזג האוויר חם מהרגיל עד שרבי. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד.
Thank you. 
Thank <laughs> you. 
Seems like everybody's got a frown. I don't know why they got their smiles on upside down. Take your frown and throw it right away. And just sing this song with me, and everything will be okay. God is my strength and my song. Even if skies are cloudy and everything's going wrong, I know that the sunshine's coming on. God is my strength and my song. God is my strength and my song. Even if skies are cloudy and everything's going wrong, I know that the sunshine's coming on. God is my strength and my song. And when it gets you down and feeling blue. And you get to feeling helpless like you do. Here's something that will make it go away. With this very simple song, you'll feel okay. God is my strength and my song. Even if skies are cloudy and everything's going wrong, I know that the sunshine's coming on. God is my strength and my song. God is my strength and my song. Even if skies are cloudy and everything's going wrong, I know that the sunshine's coming on. God is my strength and my song. God is my strength and my song. Sounds you hear in the background. <laughs> You're Achmiel Ziegler from the uh, Yes Legacy album here at JM in the AM. God is my strength and my song is the uh, name of that one. Uh, before that, Anio Dea, done by Avi Kraus. You heard Ali Marcus, brand new Malachel Yon. Akiva with Tsaadim. Uh, David Gabe's Hamalach, Nigun Riku, done by David Schlusselberg, and that opened up the 7 o'clock hour for us here on a Wednesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone, and uh, comment away. Um, let's see what we have so far this morning on our app. Uh, Judy Landy. Good morning, Nachum. I finally got the N oh, the NSN pen. <laughs> That's great. I'm glad you got that. Um, oh, then Judy also delivered a pen to our friends at J Drugs. Fantastic. Uh, acapella begins for us, um, I guess, Sunday, right? Yeah, day after Rosh Chodesh, acapella will begin. Our Sphere format will start here at JM in the AM. Um, this listener says, Nahum, such a pleasant surprise to see you in Efrat before Pesach. May we greet you again for only happy occasions. Thank you. That was an amazing Tuesday night, Badika's Chametz night, 
Shevabrachos, a makeshift impromptu Shevabrachos that we did in Efrat, um, in that uh, new shopping area, for those of you familiar with the neighborhood. And it was wonderful to run into some listeners and some old friends while we were there. That was pretty cool. And they shared in the big Mazel Tov, which had just happened a couple of nights before. Our friends at Avis Achim down in uh, in New Brunswick have a Shabbat Eretz Israel celebrating the 75th anniversary of the State of Israel with our dear friend Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon. That is happening this Shabbos. Tazria Mitzora, Friday night on Oneg Shabbos and Shear with Rabbi Tarragon at the Simon Tov home. Uh, Shabbos morning, 9.45 a.m. Shear after the early minion. Um... Then there'll be a shear after the main sanctuary, Musaf, and a pre-mincha lecture and a sudachli sheet lecture in the afternoon. The State of Israel at 75, celebrating 75 years. Shabbat Eretz Yisrael with Avas Achim down in um, New Brunswick, in the Edison, New Brunswick area. Uh, highly recommending it. All right, Tarragon gives some incredible lectures and uh, one of the best ways to celebrate Israel 75 is with speakers and presenters like him. The Young Israel of Kew Gardens Hills invites everybody to a Shabbat in celebration of Yom Ha'atzmaut. This is going to be next Shabbos, April the 29th, with guest scholar by Dr. Ari Lamb, chief executive of the B'nai Zion Foundation. Um, Shabbos morning drusha. This is a week from Shabbos. Shabbos morning drusha after the... Uh, Torah reading on Israel and the nations of the world will be a shear prior to Mincha. Um, from Hebron to Rhode Island, Israel and the American Revolution. And I'll also speak to uh, everybody at Sudach Lishit on how to live in the diaspora. For information about next Shabbos, which is happening at the Young Israel of Kew Gardens Hills, 718 261 9723. 718 261 Nine seven two three, and again tonight is the Carnegie Hall event. As um, as um, Lawrence Burian reminded us yesterday, American Society for Yad Vashem and Yad Vashem presents a concert for Sugihara. Um, that's happening at the Carnegie Hall tonight at seven p.m. with cellist Christina Rako Cooper, the New York City Opera Orchestra and Chorus. Uh, the concerts commemorate the concert commemorates the heroism of the Japanese vice consul to Lithuania who saved thousands of Jewish refugees during World War II. I was shocked how many people on the app yesterday during our conversation wrote about their friends and relatives they know who were saved by Sugihara. Unbelievable. And yesterday I was on the phone with Phil Rosen, whose father was saved by Sugihara, and um, the calculation of people who are now around or, or, you know, meaning from that generation on, had been had been and or are now around because of Sugiara, over 300,000. That is the estimate, which is unbelievable. Um, go to yadvashem.org, yadvashem.org slash Sugihara sponsorships, or you can go to the uh, carnegiehall.org website for tickets, or you can dial 646-970-4959, 646-970-4959. Five, nine. And again, that happens tonight at Carnegie Hall in New York City. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Harav Zevben of and Zechonishmas Esther Basar of Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. 
we find a fascinating pasuk in Amos, Ki hine yotzer harim, for Hashem has formed the mountains, uvore ruach, and has also created the winds, umagid Adam masecho. He recounts to a person what were his deeds. The question has been asked, what is the kesher, the connection, between the beginning of the Pasuk and the end of the Pasuk? The Chida says in the name of Rabbi Yaakov Chagiz, Why did Hashem create the world with harem mugvo'os, with mountains and hills? People have to climb the hills. They have to try to ascend the mountains. Hashem could have just created level ground that everybody could walk on without effort. He answers that there are strong winds that can uproot the trees and cause great destruction. These tall mountains stand and guard us from the stormy winds that could be destructive. So one could ask, wouldn't it be better if there were no winds? Then there wouldn't be a need for the harim, for the mountains, and everyone could be on level ground without having to climb the hills and the mountains. The answer is something that a person should remember every day of their life. The Ruach is created from the Hevel Pib, from the mouth, from the breath of a person, as it says, The Targum Onklus translates it, that Adam, that an individual, when they speak, they show that there is a difference between a human and the animal life. That's what happens. It is the koach It is the power of speech. That is the spirit that is created when a person speaks. The perush is that all of the ruchos ba'olam, all of the different winds of the world, are created through man's speech. And that's why Hashem had to give a koach gadol to the ruach, so that man could understand that through speech, a person can build binyanim, or chas v'shalom, destroy an entire country. That's the meaning of Yotzah Harim Uvare Ruach. Instead of creating level ground, umagid Adam masecho, to let a person know the great power that we all have to use our dibor, our power of speech, in the correct way. We have the choice, chas v'shalom, to destroy or to build Olamos, to build worlds. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizuk. Have a nice day.
Sane Banu is the name of that one. Yosef Chaim here on a uh, Wednesday morning broadcast. Day 13 in the counting of the Omer. Day number 13. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Again, it's day 13 in the counting of the Omer. Uh, well, one of the highlights, <laughs> there were a lot of highlights during this trip to Israel, as, as, as all of you know, Baruch Hashem. We got to share a lot of amazing things. 
Uh, but one of the highlights of the highlights um, was having the uh, amazing rabbi and rebbitzin of, of Efrat, Bina and Reb Shlomo Katz, uh, at the Yoshua and Tamima's wedding. And we had the opportunity to celebrate and... Uh, Shlomo um, opened up the chuppah. It was just, it was incredible and wonderful. And um, we saw each other at a time of great joy. And as many of you know, uh, during the time of our visit there, and it's always so much more poignant when you're there in Israel when things like this occur, uh, again, the enemy took away some of our best and brightest uh, in a horrific terror attack that claimed three members of the D family. And, uh, of course, they're from Efrat, and obviously uh, the pain that the uh, collective Jewish heart felt around the world was felt even greater in the city of Efrat over the last couple of weeks. That's, that's quite obvious. Our dear friend Rabbi Shlomo Katz is with us live via telephone to talk about all of this and the challenges of, um, of life in Israel and elsewhere in 2023. Reb Shlomo, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. I miss you already. <laughs> I really do. I appreciate that very much. I hope we do reunite very quickly, to say the least, but I certainly always feel connected to you, I can tell you that much. Um, so we always talk about the collective Jewish heart and the pain, and you get you get it, you know it, that you know, the collective Jewish heart around the world always suffers and is in agony when things like this happen. But uh, you have been, and and by you I mean the people of Efrat and people in certain communities in Israel, have been through this way too many times. Um, and, and sometimes the timing is just so baffling. The, the simcha, joy, togetherness, family of Chag Pesach, and at the same time, a member of our family, members, I should say, because obviously the D family is uh, is many people, Baruch Hashem, um, you know, going through all this and, you know, having a much different Chag and obviously a much different post-Chag. Can you put this into words? Can you tell us how those who are close to families like this who are going through this um, can maneuver through a period of time like this? I'm trying to speak, first of all, as a personal experience. Like, well, how do I answer that personally? Because, as you mentioned, this is this is right in our community. The these are our neighbors. My girls went to a summer camp that Lucy and her daughters ran for many years. Wow. I went to Yeshivat Amista. I learned for Smicha with Leo about 19 years ago. Um, everyone always says there are, there are no words and the, the funny thing is the, the, the funny thing is but the, the interesting thing is that the one that had words all week was Leo I don't know if you see I'm sure you've seen some footage coming yeah, out of that and, and, and that's remarkable and his words frankly were remarkable remarkable They're, what, it's, what did he call it I think he called it like uh, chutzpah equity Right. There was some kind of reference, like when you're sitting shipped up for such a national, personal, but what's become a national tragedy, there was a lot of words of very, very powerful emas coming out of his mouth. An example of it was just yesterday morning, 
I was there with Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg and Rabbi Shai Shachter, who flew into Peshiva Kong and uh, did so, so beautifully. And Ben Gvir and Smutrich came in at the same time. <laughs> and when Leo was finished challenging Rabbi Shai, uh, Rabbi Shai and Rabbi Ephraim, he went right on to, to, to Ben Gvir and to Smutrich. It's not Tochecha that he's saying. He's speaking about a place that, need, that needs something, needs to change. Something needs to open up here. And there's, uh, there's something coming out of him that each person in our community has been receiving tremendous chizuk directly from him. So it's been one of the, one of the most uh, strangest experiences for the ones that are, are here. But the pain is, people ask me, how's Pesach? I don't remember Pesach. Yeah. I don't remember. I remember, I remember going to Leviathan. I remember sitting with Rabbi Riskin in the Kohen booth throughout Pesach. Right. That's what I remember. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it's funny. You talk about the platform and, and you know, paying a shiva call and you are strengthened more than, you know, you feel you're being more strengthened than, than the strength you're trying to give that the person who's uh, sitting shiva. I mean, that, that we've heard from so many people so many times, but in this case, it seems so exceptional. And you talk about the platform, and, and I think what you're alluding to when you talk about Smutrich and Ben-Gvir is that I, I don't know if everybody in the room agreed on everything, and as you said, the rabbi used the opportunity to, to voice his opinion, you know, not a criticism, just just letting everyone <laughs> letting everyone in on, on what you're referring to. But beyond that, the platform for unity, the country has been, and again, I'm not criticizing either side at the moment or any of the multiple sides. The country's been in such a sensitive situation for months, and he uses the platform of his daughter's funeral and subsequently his wife's funeral to talk about how this needs to be a unifying moment and that we must increase the brotherhood. That takes a, that takes a tremendous amount of, of, of courage and a tremendous amount of, of strength to be able to do that. We stood there at the funeral, shocked, shocked in horror to the disbelief of what our eyes were seeing, but just as much shock as to what our ears were hearing. We couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. We we, we thought it's it, it feels like it's like living in like uh, times of like biblical proportion where there's. I'm not saying he's a navi. He's a broken yid that's tuned into something very deep. Right. But this is something else we're not used to. This is not, you know, when Ari, Hashem Yukon Domo, was murdered, the shiva was so short because it was Erev Yom Kippur. It was right. like a day and a half of shiva, I think. Right. There were thousands that came through the lines there. Here, by the deeds, since the shiva only began after Pesach, after Yantiv. So they're really in a state of mourning for about 10, 11 days. Right. Tens. I'm not dramatizing tens of thousands of Amisel that don't look anything like each other have walked through the Deeds home. When I was, one of the times I was there, there were bereaved families from all over the country that came to open their hearts. People from the Golan, from Beersheba, every type of Jew, not only Jews, non-Jewish residents that live in the, in, in Eretz Israel as well. And we, and it, you're right, Nachum, this is the opposite of what, you know, what, what, what was being felt for a few months prior. Yeah. 
so many people listening right now can't even fathom what you just said. Those of us who've had the ability, thank God, to spend some time in Israel and with people and communities like yours at least get what you just said, that literally, you know, those who traditionally, you know, we think we can't live with or those who traditionally we think are, God forbid, the enemy are, are among those who are consoling you know, this family are among those who are, you know, feeling a, a kinship, a brotherhood, so to speak. And excuse me if I'm using too strong a word, but you know what I mean to a family, yeah. to a family like this. There's also one other thing, which I don't know if you can verbalize. I always say this. You've probably heard me say this tens of times. It's always our, it always seems like our best and brightest. And I have this mantra that I've, I've said so often over the years, sometimes, and I, I've been criticized sometimes for it, that the tochen, I always use the word tochen, the tochen, the, 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 um, the, um, the, what's available to, to, to a Jew living in Israel is so much more than what's available to us living in diaspora. And you don't realize it or see it till, till you visit and start getting into it. Uh, and you realize just how much more tochen this is in every aspect. And again, not critical of our educational institutions here. They're great, and there are a lot of wonderful people teaching our kids. But it's so much more when you are when you grow up there and when you experience all this. So, so when I say that the enemy always seems to take our best and brightest, I, I guess the, the theory is, or the reality is, that when one is living there in communities like yours, it's going to be very hard not to become among the Jewish people's best and brightest. Do you understand what I mean? I think that you're opening up the gate for something that you may want, you may regret. (laughs) (laughs) It always seems that every time a family is going through something like this in Israel, it is a top-notch incredibly devoted to the community family and and you you cannot deny in this case that i am right you know these people very well and they seem to just be you know a1 people in the community that's correct however the avoda of of what you just said is living with the consciousness you open your eyes here, especially with my here in Ephra, and we know that also the Chaim that we're living amongst are Mamish A1. Yeah, exactly. They really do. And, and, and this week, what we felt here in, uh, in the greater community of Ephra, not just my shul, but the greater context, the greater community, um, was just a, a, a painful way of a, of a reminder of the gift that we have to not be living in our backyard, but be living in our home. Eretz Yisrael. It has to be frightening when you think that, you know, this this could have been anybody. And I know that we could say this about any episode that, ha- you know, there was a garage collapse yesterday in Manhattan. So, you know, anybody could have been in that garage. And obviously we know that. And the one above is, you know, has Hashkacha, is, you know, is watching over us all the time and decides what our fate's going to be no matter where we are. So I get that. But but still, it, there, has to be, there has to be some type of, uh, I don't want to say fright, but, but it has to put people on edge knowing that, you know, around the corner, and in this case that might be a really accurate way of saying it because of the way that the enemy 
uh, attacked the car. That around the corner, you know, danger like this could be lurking. It has to be, it has to weigh on people. It both weighs on people, and at the same token, it also empowers us that we're living the most meaningful life. The empowerment of life, there wasn't one voice that has come out of this and said, you know what? Dangers around the corner, I got to get out of here. It's um, it's the exact contrary. But I've been saying a statement and... Forgive me for being so blunt, but meaning it's impossible for uh, when we say Zar, I don't mean a stranger. I just mean someone that's not here. Can't You just can't understand it with all the footage that may be coming out of here. And I know there are cameras in that Shiva house and, and nonstop. You just can't, you can't understand it. You can't experience, you can't live it. You can't breathe that this notion of empowerment that comes together with everything else, unless unless you're here. And our, I'm just you know using this moment to echo Leo's words. That what an amazing time we're living in. That one Jewish family that decides to come home is changing the reality. Every Jewish family that chooses to come back home is changing. That you're changing the whole picture, changing everything. So on behalf of our community here in Efrat, our arms have never been more wide open. I don't know any Jew that ever made Aliyah because they were guilted into making Aliyah. And if they do come because of that, it's probably not a good experience. <laughs> and that's not the point. The point is that to get through this, to get through this time together has to be together. And the way to do that together is by physically being together. I don't know. I always thought that uh, whenever someone gave me credit for or partial credit for their aliyah, I always thought because I did guilt them into it. But I <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe there was an inspiration piece that uh, that helped things along. So so when American Jewish leadership then comes, and as you just mentioned, you know you got to be al hamakom, you got to be there to really get it, what do your congregants say? What what does the crowd in the videos that we see of you sitting with American rabbis, what are they saying? Are they are they being critical because American Jewish leadership does not get what they're going through? You'll you'll always have those, but that's their natural way of, of expressing their their opinions in other areas in life as well, and it comes out like this as well, of course, but the vast majority is the, the words that are coming out are Anachnu Achim Ki Mechakim Anachnu Lach. We're waiting for you because we need each other. And it's only love. That's my that's my approach. I try to instill that within my congregants and my chevra anytime I open my mouth about these inyanim. The fact that we were privileged, had the schus to listen to the calling of Lech Lecha, was a matna schinam. It was a gift from a, uh, just a total gift. And we have to daven that everyone not only hears that gift, he has that gift of hearing those words, but that we do everything that we can to encourage, empower everyone to come back home. Because it's, let's face it, it's only going more in this direction that it's, not just a luxury to come home, 
it's a must. Yeah. Uh, were the surviving daughters, the surviving children, I should say, in the D family, were they on the same page as their father over the last few days? Were they were they more inconsolable? Uh, obviously, their loss is different. I mean, everybody lost three family members, but um, a mother's a mother. Sisters are sisters. It's a different experience than what their father's going through. How would you describe it? It's, it seems, yeah, it, it looked like, you know, from what we could what we could see from the outside, that it's a different experience. Like you said, like you know, Ima's an Ima. Yeah. And, you know, and the funerals, the funerals were very different. The funerals for the sisters, for the two daughters, were very, very different than the funeral that we went back to two days later for the mother. Different nature of, of emotions and expression of emotions. Um, these girls and the son, there's three of them. Um, they were in most of the time it was just because there were so many people, like I was saying before, and mm-hmm. every dignitary, even uh, the chief rabbis, president, prime minister, BB Mamish parked his chopper in my backyard, literally. <laughs> uh, like, I'll send you the footage. Like, it was just a different week here, and they were all here. Everyone was here. But the kids, more than meeting these big people, they needed their friends. These are teenagers. Yeah. These are teenagers, so their friends. Oh boy, were their friends bad. Oh uh, my god! I can gosh. only imagine. I saw the footage oh of. Uh, I saw the footage of the people that were on the streets of Efrat just showing support in that way. I can imagine how their friends were there for them. How many times did it cross your mind that uh, God arranged things for their mother to be around an extra couple of days? It must have. It, it must have struck you the whole timing and the way this whole thing worked out. All day long, that's what we were thinking about. Yeah. All day long. Yeah, all day long. It's still it's still very much in the air. Um, I think Shiva, I always say Shiva begins on the eighth day. Right. Real Shiva begins on the eighth day. And uh, now is a different parsha. I, I just literally, a minute before we got on the air, I was driving to the, the shul. I have to pass by the Div to get to, to the shul. And they were packing up. The, the municipality came with the truck and packed up the chairs that they provided for the Shiva and the tent, one of the most surreal moments I ever saw. I thought that the Shiva was hitting hard. That moment of seeing those chairs being packed up right now really struck a chord that I'm really trying to internalize and, and give all the koach in the world to this precious family. That as much koach as they've been giving each and every one of us, I can't even imagine how much koach is now needed to continue. To tell you how amazing this community is, Sometimes when Shiva happens, there's meals that are set up for a week, obviously, during Shiva. Sometimes Shloshim, the women in the community have set up a meal train for a whole year. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Not to be outdone by anybody. Wow. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, is that something? A year. That is that says it all. To talk about talk about putting your money where your mouth is. We're gonna be there for you, and that's just I mean that that practically and symbolically that's so amazing, so absolutely a amazing. Year. Yeah, just incredible. Yeah. Shlomo, we should uh, we should reconvene on good occasions. That's for sure. I, I could not let oh, this, I couldn't let this period of time go by, and we've been talking about it, as you can imagine constantly and especially we always emphasize that thank god the collective you know global jewish heart is in pain when things like this happen but we had to get your perspective of being there on the spot 
being friendly with the family for years and just, you know, trying to help us uh, understand what they're going through and what the community has been going through. And I appreciate it very much. Always, it's an honor to always schmooze with you, whether it's in public like this or even one-on-one, as you know. We're all in this together. And it was so amazing to celebrate with you, and I thank you for that, and I thank your wife as well, and our best to your entire family. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Nachum, we had a moment on the dance floor. I'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Good stuff. Uh, you got some moves, Nachum. Uh, yeah, right. How <laughs> 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 have I at the next one, please, God? Amen. Hey, has anybody has anybody tell you that the Lakers made the playoffs, sir? You've been ignoring that whole situation. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, in order to get a little bit of just like you know, just breathing room in my mind, I like I, the other night I forced myself to check just to just to clear, just manage to clear my mind. Yeah, don't get too invested in it. I don't think they're going to go too far, but we don't have to argue about that now. No, Reb Shlomo Todaraba, no, 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 no. and best regards to everybody. Love you, Nachum. Yeah, same okay. same okay. here, my man. Same here. Love you very, very much. Rip Shlomo Katz on a very important Wednesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM.
Pretty powerful selection after that conversation with Shlomo Katz, wouldn't you say? Adam Yesodo, words from the uh, High Holiday Service. As we were discussing some pretty sensitive and um, and inspiring uh, topics with Shlomo Katz. I thank him very, very much. JM and the AM, it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world of AlchemSiegel.com on the AlchemSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. It is the 19th of April, day number 28 in the month of Nisan. Today is day 13 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Day 13 in the counting of the Omer. Nathan Diamond is with us live via telephone. Uh, as you know, he's the executive director for the Orthodox Union Advocacy Center. And uh, many of you are likely aware, if you follow the news, of a United States Supreme Court case, Groff versus DeJoy, regarding religious liberty and employment accommodations under the Title Seven of under Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. The plaintiff seeks the Supreme Court's reconsideration of the precedent set in a case years ago. And uh, this is an important case for our community, and Nathan Diamond will explain why. A pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nakam. It's always great to be with you. I appreciate that. I thought all these accommodation cases are passe, <laughs> that, that if, uh, if, if someone needs reasonable accommodation, um, because of a disability, a handicap, if someone needs reasonable consideration because of a religious commitment and certainly one that's mainstream uh, in terms of you know well-known religions and religious practices, etc. I thought all that is basically covered till this point, and that you know with reasonable um, uh, with reasonable negotiation, uh, an employee has the ability to. Uh, to influence the employer to help them out in this area. Am I right or wrong? Um, unfortunately, you're wrong. Um, that's not the state of the law. You're right in the sense that the United States is a country which has a tremendous amount of religious diversity, um, and people are good people, and they try to generally be accommodating, right? Right. Um, but... Uh, it, on a regular basis, I mean, just just this month, right? If in the United States, Pesach felt on fell on four weekdays right. in the last two weeks, right? And uh, and if and if you are somebody who is uh, well, doesn't work on on, on Yom Tov, uh, and you need a, a shift schedule because you're set to work certain days, if your boss did not want to be accommodating, um, and it was inconvenient for the boss. 
and that's the key thing, um, the boss didn't really have a legal obligation under federal law to do anything. Um, because as you mentioned years ago, actually all the way back in 1977, I'll go back five in 1972, Congress passed an amendment to the civil rights act that said, um, employers should accommodate an employee's religious needs unless doing that will impose what they said was quote an undue hardship on the employer. Right. And undue hardship sounds like, okay, it has to be difficult for the employer but then five years later in a case in 1977, the Supreme Court then said, no, undue hardship doesn't mean really hard. It basically means almost any inconvenience to the employer. And so for these many years, um, again, m- employers might have chosen right. to accommodate. I, I, just, can't, I it, just can't believe that it stood until now. You're telling me that Groff versus DeJoy, this gentleman who doesn't want to you know, deliver mail on Sunday – it has not been addressed by the Supreme Court since this type of case hasn't been addressed since the seventies. Uh, it basically has not. We, wow. we tried for many, we tried for many years to get it fixed legislatively by Congress. And for a variety of reasons, we couldn't get that legislation passed. Um, and we brought, we and others, but uh, by the way, the, the, the entire spectrum of the religious American religious world, Christian, Muslim, Sikh, Jews, you know, and any others you can imagine have been working on this for years and filed briefs in the Supreme Court. Um, And we've tried to bring multiple cases. And now, finally, uh, the court is taking up the issue. Um, And and we're very, very very grateful for that. Right. So it's a Christian male worker who refuses to work on Sunday. That's, I don't know, maybe I said Saturday before. Anyway, it's a Christian male worker refusing to work on Sunday. Groff versus DeJoy. Uh, first of all, you gotta, I'm sure the people listening right now who are, who are in a state of panic, who, who now realize that if they are getting the accommodation for Yuntif, as you just alluded to, or for any other type of religious situation, gotta leave at two o'clock Friday in the winter, etc. They gotta, they gotta thank their lucky stars, right? Because, because the reality is if an employer, as you just said, can prove any type of slight inconvenience they they could squash the whole thing right yeah now by the way just to also let your listeners know we we have succeeded in in a handful of states including new york including california to actually pass state laws that have a tougher standard right but in most of the country that is true and uh you know the listeners might also i don't know if they find this ironic or not but um it wasn't that the post office wanted to deliver your regular mail on sundays the post office Entered into a contract with Amazon, right, to deliver Amazon package on packages on Sundays, right. <laughs> and that's what and that's what sparked this dispute with Mr. Groff, right? Because um, obviously it would never be mail delivered, and probably when he got the job, there was no mail delivery on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would assume. Um, right? And by the way, it's not it's not just and and important. It's not just scheduling issues, right? It's 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 a Muslim woman who wants to wear a headscarf, right? It's a sick man that wants to wear a turban, right? Um. And, and and so on and so forth. I and, don't know. Um, I, I always thought once Yeshiva University basketball could wear Kipot on the court, I always, I always thought everything else was taken care of. What can I tell you? <laughs> Nathan Diamond is with us live via telephone. So what's the status of Groff versus DeJoy right now? Right, so the oral arguments in the case were held yesterday at the Supreme Court. Um, and uh, if listeners are really interested, they can uh, – 
uh, go to C-SPAN's website and, and listen to the listen to the arguments, or they can or they can find the transcripts. But it was actually a very long argument. It was, it was almost two hours long. Um, and the interesting thing was that um, neither neither the the government's lawyer, uh, the Solicitor General, who was representing the U.S. Postal Service because it's part of the U.S. government, um, nor any of the liberal or other justices were really defending the idea of this old 1977 case that really it should be almost at the whim of the employer as to whether there's an accommodation. Um, the discussion, the, the, the government's lawyer was basically saying, you know, justices, actually things aren't so bad. Um, if you, they, they, she was claiming that if you look at how the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, um, handles these complaints and gives guidance to, to, to employers, they really push for more accommodation rather than less. Mm. Um, and the justices who were concerned about overturning the old case, again, they weren't saying, no, 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 we think people shouldn't be accommodated. It was more, you know, a, a broader issue about how they feel about overturning old precedents right. in general. Um, now, the reality is, uh, as, as far as the government lawyer's argument, from our perspective, you know, a lot of these cases never make it to court. A lot of these cases never make it to the EEOC. When I get an email or a phone call from someone um, who's in this situation and they ask me, like, what's the state of the law? If they're not in one of those states that I mentioned, I say, look, you, you have to do your best to negotiate with your employer. But really, the employer is holding all the cards and um, – you know, hopefully they can work it out. But even if they can't work it out, those you know they can't always bring a lawsuit. They can't always bring a federal complaint. And and the real power of changing the rule is to help the employee when they walk into their manager's office that the manager feels that even if they don't want to, they really need to give an accommodation. Right. Um, there are probably people listening right now who are saying to themselves, well, with the makeup of this Supreme Court, they're definitely going to be, quote unquote, religion friendly and likely they will turn over the precedent. Uh, it should. Yeah, I would, I would say I would say I walked out of the argument yesterday feeling pretty confident that our side, so to speak, is going to win. But what was not clear, as is, is often the case, is, you know. How broad is the ruling going to be? Are they explicitly going to say, yes, we're overturning that old case and replacing it with something new? Or are they going to try to reinterpret that old case? Well, give me give me um, the, give me the options. I mean, l legally, you know, what could happen? Like what what's the range of, 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 of what could happen? Right. So the range is, they say, I mean, the most extreme th uh, thing in terms of how our side could lose would be the court could say, this is not a constitutional case, right? Status this quo. Is a case about this is a case. This is a case about interpreting a law that Congress passed, and if we've misinterpreted the law all those years ago, Congress should rewrite the law. Right. It's not our job. To fix and, 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 that to fix this. and that essentially would mean status quo, right? And that would mean status quo, right? Um, the other end, the uh, the extreme on the other end is for the court to say, "Yeah, the court was wrong in 1977. We're throwing that out." And we're replacing that with a much tougher standard and to push employers much more strongly to accommodate their employees. Right. And, and that, then there's some and then there's and then there's somewhere in the middle, which is the court saying, 
oh, you didn't, you know, that 1977 decision has been misunderstood all these years. Right. It really did not mean to put such a low standard in place. It really meant to put something of a stronger standard in place. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, uh, Goldilocks's um, middle bowl of soup or whatever it is. It's, it's just funny because it's going to come – I mean, again, unless the court really does go in the direction of, you know, any, anything for any religious person, um, it's going to come down to what the definition of inconvenience is. It's going to come down to, you know, ju- judging, you know, what a minor inconvenience is compared to a major inconvenience. Well, well even if they raise this inter- – there, there's the law. Even, even our arguments uh, and the argument of all the religious advocates is not for a, a rule in which a religious employee gets to walk into their boss and say, "My religion requires me to do X, and you must let me do it." Right. Right. It's not an absolute. It's we we can't have a scenario which is an absolute mandate because you know different situations are different, especially if, uh, depending on the size of the company. Right. You know, depending on what you're asking for. Right. So sure. these are very Fact-specific. Yeah, I, I mean Nathan. Cases, n- noon on, no matter what the standard. Is. Yeah, noon on Friday is very different than two thirty on Friday in the winter. You know. <laughs> right. Right. I'm right. Saying so, that. but 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 what again? But the important thing that we hope we will achieve in this ruling, which by the way um, will probably come out from the court at the end of June, right. um, is that they will shift the balance um, so that. Again, the employers feel that they have more; uh, uh, they are prodded more to try harder right. to accommodate their employees, right. you know, rather than doing them a favor. Basically, right. and they don't want to be the subject of the next court case, right? Right, exactly. Um, all right, before I let you go, uh, your comment, your comment about the fact that you know this country cares enough about religious accommodation that, uh, you know, they are legally ready to, you know, to, to create a situation that does put some pressure on employers to accommodate, mm-hmm. to accommodate their employees. Give me, give me the broader picture when you're sitting there and watching all this happen. No, again, the, 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 broad, the broader picture is, uh, while, while these cases, you know, whether it's for Mr. Graff or for anybody else are very, very difficult and, for the, certainly for the person involved and, and for the communities that are impacted by them. Overall, we're, we, again, are blessed to live in a country in which religious freedom and religious diversity yep. is valued you said and, and, and supported. Yep. You said it. You, uh, you took the pitch and you hit a home run. And, <laughs> and, and that's the point. We got we to gotta remember in the big picture that's really what it's all about, and it's pretty remarkable, frankly. And I'll tell you another yeah. rem- remarkable thing. Uh, as I discovered through this conversation, as, you know that that there really has been no legal action on a national level since the 1970s. Um, you got to you got to hand it to those the majority, I would hope, of employers out there that have been pretty accommodating, because these cases or situations, I should say, you know, covered by local news, etc., are few and far between. Generally speaking, when people are you know, handle things properly, the employers do come through. At least that's my impression. I hope I'm not wrong. Yeah, look, and it's also, we're living in a time where, you know, employers, because of the nature of the job market and the economy and and post-COVID and all that, right, employers are faced with all kinds of demands and all kinds of needs to accommodate people 
you know, on a whole range of issues that have nothing to do with religion, right, to get good workers. Right. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, forget about whether you're religious or not. You know, people that don't want to commute in to, uh, right. to a downtown office five days a week or whatever it is, that's, that's the world that we're living in. And, and the, labor to mar- the labor market is also just a huge factor here. And if you're, if you're able to deliver quality work for your employer um, and value for your employer – that's that's the best that's the best uh in, incentive they have to keep you happy um whether it's about those other issues or or accommodating your religious needs no i hear that all right uh well you you've piqued my curiosity now that you've given me this education i can't wait till june when they come out with the Groff versus the joy uh, uh decision mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll pay careful attention to it and i thank you so much for joining us this morning Always a pleasure to be with you, Nathan. Nathan Diamond is executive director for the Orthodox Union Advocacy Center, and this is, no doubt, as as was presented to us, this is an important case for our community going forward, even now in 2023. Um, uh, and even though it doesn't involve directly a member of our community, this is someone of the Christian faith, still, obviously, it's a case that we should watch closely uh, with both the curiosity and somewhat concern as well. More coming up. It's Wednesday. It's JM in the AM.
JM in the AM, summer done by Raya Mehemna. Thanks for joining us. Wednesday morning, day 13, the counting of the Omer. Somebody on the app asked about the Sugihara event tonight at Carnegie Hall. Uh, so for tickets, you go to carnegiehall.org, carnegiehall.org for tickets. To contact Yad Vashem, it's yadvashemusa.org slash Sugihara sponsorships. Again, that's yadvashemusa.org slash Sugihara sponsorships. And uh, you could also call 646-970-4959. American Society for Yad Vashem and Yad Vashem present the concert for Sugihara tonight at Carnegie Hall beginning at the 7 p.m. Uh, Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon at Abbas Achim down in New Brunswick this Shabbos, a Shabbat Eretz Israel celebrating the 75th anniversary of the State of Israel. Um, that's happening this coming Shabbos. He'll speak Friday night at the Simintov home and Shabbat morning uh, after the early minion and um, a shear after the main sanctuary, Musaf, and then a pre mincha and post mincha uh, lecture. Um, on Shabbat. So it's Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon at Avas Achim down in New Brunswick this coming Shabbat. It's Shabbat Eretz Yisrael celebrating 75 years of the state of Israel. Um, let's see our Wednesday schedule here at JM in the AM. Let me treat everybody to that. Uh, Z Report. Live lunch, Yassi's Y, coming up at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Charlie Bernhout with an hour of Jewish soul tonight at 7 p.m. Great cantorial music. Tani Talks Radio. Tani Gutterman speaks about important, timely topics every week. This week, cup half empty or cup half full. That's 8 p.m. tonight here on the Nahum Siegel Network. And obviously, in between, you have amazing music all through the day and night. So keep that in mind. We go into our sphere of format beginning Sunday after Rosh Chodesh, and that'll go until uh, Lagba Omer, of course. Um, yes, yeah, Sphere of Format after Rosh Chodesh. Oh, and keep in mind that Yom HaZikaron is uh, this coming Tuesday. That's Israel Memorial Day. And Yom HaTzmud is on Wednesday. That's Israel Independence Day as we celebrate 75 years. Originally, I was supposed to be in Israel, but because of my... How do I put this? It's because of my foot for a change. Uh, but let's just say I overdid it a bit on this trip to Israel. So the doctor's highly recommending that I rest it up as much as possible. So we will celebrate Yom Atzmut 75 from here, from this side of the world. Um this coming Wednesday here at JM in the AM. All right. More coming up at JM in the AM with this one from Lipa.
ואז מתוך החושך היא יצאה לקרנו וסימה נסתה לי קוראת לי לחזור ואז מתוך החושך בתוך האפלה ממעמקים קרתיך בתפילה זקה
Doesn't understand why his whole life's changing. Only 12 years old. Will he have his bar mitzvah? Who knows? Shema Kleinu, Hashem Elikeinu, Chusirachem, Levachem Oleinu, Bekabel. Doesn't understand why her whole life's changing. Just 11 years old. Will she have her bas mitzvah? Who knows? She But now, tears in their eyes, a clean bill of health, and a brand new life. She thanks Hashem over the Shabbos candles. Vayatnei Hashem meha kachisero. J.M. in the A.M. with Nachas and Shma Kolenu. Before that, you heard the uh, Sandy Shmueli selection on the Shamat Soeket. Leap in there with Acharon, Acharon, and uh, you're listening to J.M. in the A.M. Day 13, the counting of the Omer. If you got the count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Coming up at uh, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, it's Yossi Zweig with a uh, Wednesday live lunch. Should be a lot of fun. Always is. That's coming up at uh, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And what else can I tell you? Next week, Tuesday, Yom Hazikaron, Israel Memorial Day. Wednesday, Yom Atzmoot, Israel Independence Day. Celebrating 75 years. Mordechai Shapiro next. You're listening to JM in the AM. Yeah, yeah. 
בכל יום קמים עלינו, כמה עוד אפשר? גם כשהם שונאים אותנו, אני עומד וישר. מנסים לשבור אותנו, חושבים שזה אפשר. האמונה בוערת בנו, זה עם שלא נשבר. אני יהודי, אני לא מתבייש. אני יהודי, מאף אחד לא חושש. I'm 
Hashem, Lidois Betu Vashem, Beedet Chai.
Achenu Yisrael and Achenu brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard a listeners sponsored digital radio around the world of web and AchenuSingle.com and the AchenuSingle Network and of course the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Wednesday here at JM and the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in. Tomorrow morning, we're back starting at 6 a.m. Yossi Zweig with a Wednesday live lunch. That begins at 11 a.m. Eastern time this morning right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Make sure to be tuned in tonight. Tani um, Tani talks 8 o'clock Eastern time right after Charlie Bernhardt and the Hour of Jewish Soul. It's all happening right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Have a fabulous Wednesday. Till tomorrow, Nahum Siegel reminding you. Remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.